Thanks for tuning in. I'm Joel Amidon. And I'm Ann Monroe. And this is The Road to Better Teaching, a podcast series where we discuss stories of teacher development. We got a good one with us today, Joel. Yes. Yes. A good teacher, a good friend, a good colleague. So I'm excited about this. Kick off 2023 with some... So I'm putting my hands in the air. Yes, because you just don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I do care, Joel. (laughs) Awesome. We have Ellen Shelton. Ellen Shelton is with us. Fantastic. Ellen, thank you so much for joining uh, The Road to Better Teaching. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking me to be here. Well, and, you know, there's, I I can, I, I mean, we had not talked that much. I have known of you before I knew you because so many people have talked about experiences that they have had with you in your work here at the university. And I'm just, could you just give a quick intro so people know uh, who you are and what you do? Okay. Uh, thank you for that comment, by the way. It's, I mean, it is true. Yeah. I mean, just to side uh, like, yes. like, like, hey, do you, Ellen Shelton, she did this, this, and this. Ellen Shelton, like, and I'm like, who is it? And then, like, obviously, Ann knows you, too. It was just like, it was one of those things where it's like, okay, I got to meet Alan Shelton. Oh, thank you. Wow. That's, ooh, stakes are high now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess I've been on this campus off and on since 91. Um, came here for grad school and uh, left for a little while, taught, but also... Um, I, I'm going for, if, if you know this campus, I'm going for the Mari Sevtank theory of um, how many titles can you have before you, you retire. Yeah. Um, so I am officially the director of the writing project here at the University of Mississippi, part of the National Writing Project. And that's been 21 years, but affiliated with it for 26. Wow. Um, I'm the director of pre-college programs um, over in the Division of Outreach, which is an awesome sort of space to think about K-12 education. Um, I am a lecturer in writing and rhetoric, uh, so I teach a writing 340 class that works with pre-service teachers for the most part on writing composition theory. And this year I'm the interim writing center director um, for undergraduates with the Department of Writing and Rhetoric, but I've been around a long time just doing different things, um, so thank you for that. And then, Ellen, tell everybody what you did prior to coming to the university. So I actually taught high school for 15 years. Um, I was the high school English teacher at Thrasher High School in Prentice County for six years. And then primarily 11th grade um, English teacher, AP, and compensatory teaching um, at Tupelo High School for nine years. So I've been around in and out. So Yeah. It's great. Yeah, so I remember Ellen one day, she was in my office, and I think you saw my Thrasher mm-hmm. uh, elementary mug. And I taught at Thrasher, but it was a totally different Thrasher in a totally different state. Um, but so Ellen's, a lot of the um, interaction I have with folks, like Joel, you said a lot of people on campus know about Ellen and the work she's done and has have had, she's influenced them. But also um, people who have, um, I've encountered have influenced uh, Ellen's influences from when they were in high school. Mm. Uh, she was their English teacher. And mm. we actually have a, a brand new uh, colleague here in the School of Education um, that works with us, Leslie Joblin, now with the mm-hmm. um, communicate, one of our communications specialists. Um, you know, I, I believe you taught mm-hmm. Leslie when she was in high school, and she's, uh, uh, you know, a big uh, 
Ellen Ellen fan, I'll say. <laughs> um, so that's that's kind of neat to, that you have that influence, you know, from K K twelve all the way through higher ed. Yeah. So I think that's awesome. And we'll put a link to Leslie's grades from English class yes, here in the absolutely. show notes. Yes, yes. yes, Leslie will be thrilled, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, I, and again, that's what what's cool about having these conversations is I like I, again, like Anne just said, I know of your experiences here at the university or the the things that a couple of the, mm-hmm. not all of the things, a few of the things from here at the university, but then ha- you know learning about the experience as a high school teacher and, mm-hmm. and, and that's awesome. That's great. So um, we when we're here on the road to better teaching, we do this little countdown into getting to your mile marker of. Uh, of uh, professional development as a teacher. But the, so the first thing we ask people to do is to thank three teachers who have shaped your, your development as a person, as a teacher. And that was a really hard question. Um, you know, you think about, this is actually my 31st year of teaching total. And I was like, Oh, wow. I think about the students. Um, I think about who I learned from my colleagues, um, huge influence with Sherry Graydon in my master's degree. She's the one who sort of said, you know, you really are a good writing teacher and you're a better writing teacher than you are a um, literature specialist. Thank you, (laughs) Sherry. Um, And kind of put me in into a teaching space. Um, Those folks like Ben McClelland, Peggy Emerson here on campus. um, I got to, you know, I think about, um, Larry Gebhardt, who was my orchestra director in high school, mm. and I still play um, with the Tell orchestra. Tell them what here. you play, Ellen. I play cello, um, except for cello. I cello. Cello. <laughs> uh, except for I sit in the back because I need the space to push the stand away so I can read the music better. Now that I'm old, and um, but Are I still you a Yo Ma fan. As I am, I am. huge Yo Ma. Joel, kn- Joel knows uh-huh. my that I love Yo Yo Ma. Um, <laughs> Jacqueline Dupre, Yano Starker. Yeah, we can go on for hours. But, you know, I've when I started thinking about this list and I was like, only three? And the reality is, if you don't think about your students as your teachers, too, oh, yeah. then you're kind of missing out on this amazing learning opportunity. So I think about my kids that I have this semester in my 340 class and the conversations that we have, especially yesterday about language and audience and why we write, but then social media. Well, I'm, you know, Pinterest was almost a little too far for me. You know, I was like, that's the social media line. <laughs> that's the only one I, I finally went to Instagram. But the, the reality is she helped me think about some ways of creating language and persona on social media that I hadn't considered. So it was like, you grew up in this world. I didn't. I'm an adopter. You're a native. So what does that mean? And that was, um, you know, one of those moments you go, oh, that's cool. How did I think about that? So, Yeah, that's neat. Your te- students as your teachers, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think every teacher feels that way mm-hmm. for some kids more than others. Um, and some of the, sometimes some of the challenging kids are the best teachers mm-hmm. or the kids that challenge you the most in terms of, your teaching. Absolutely. That's great. I love, I love that aspect of the, your students being your teachers. Yeah. Which is great. So what about two reasons or events that led you to become a teacher? I probably shouldn't admit this, but it's not private knowledge. I never meant to be a teacher. Um, my mom Oops. was a teacher. <laughs> yeah. How did that happen? Right. Um, 
you know, my mom was a teacher, my grandmother was a teacher, um, but I am a child of service. My father was a minister. Mm. Um, mom ended up a librarian um, in the city of Dallas. And so I I realized I didn't want to continue in higher ed for a while. I needed a break and I loved teaching comp classes. And I went alternative route through the school of ed at that time. This is early 90s. And um, thought, well, I'll teach for two years and go back to Texas and figure out what to do with my life. My license was reciprocal at that time Mm -hmm. from Mississippi to Texas. And um, then there's kind of an event. Your next question was about a mile marker. Um, What are those things that keep you here? Why did I end up staying? And, you know, I ended up realizing I love this job. And I don't want to leave. And it was great. So I never meant to teach. I'm really glad that I'm a, that I found teaching in a sort of different way. So much so I, my first doctorate um, is in education and mm-hmm. curriculum instruction. So yeah. Yeah, how do I become a better teacher? So Yeah. And I think, I mean, sometimes, I think right now where, I mean, it's no secret, like, teaching is, is mm-hmm. being attacked. And, like, even, like, when people say, like, if they wanted to be a teacher even, like, sometimes that choice is second. But even, like, there's people that have, like, they were meant to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, how are we encouraging them to use that gifts and those gifts and abilities? Um, you know, because that's an investment in not only themselves and using it and realizing what they can become but then also the all the different you know think of all the students that we've all had a chance to teach mm-hmm. that would not have had that if we would have chosen a different path so um well that's awesome that you. i mean if i had been a broadway performer right you know like i was supposed to do uh, you know that i would have <laughs> robbed people of all of these gifts that i have anyway uh, i like to i always tell joel i was born to be a dancer <laughs> And then, and then I just, you know, something went awry, and so I did the next. I did the next best thing: teaching. <laughs> teaching. Uh, joke. Um, but yeah, I, lo- I love that. It's, uh, um, I like that you're you're saying I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. That it was something I enjoyed doing. It wasn't um, any other reason than hey, this is great, and I like it. And you're you're enjoying the job. And I think for like Joel was saying, you know. There's a lot of issues right now with teaching and recruitment and all of those mm-hmm. things. And I think people forget that teaching can be really enjoyable. And I try to tell my students that, like, I, I had the best time going to school every day. You know, I really enjoyed being in a mm-hmm. in a uh, elementary school for me. It's like, I just love, I love the yeah. smells. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Crazy as it sounds. Yeah. Uh, I love ev- the look. I love the feel. I love everything about the fun the, you know, every morning something new, you know, so I love that you're saying that I enjoyed it. Hey, I like this. This is something I want to do more of and I I want to learn more about it too. And always, you know, when I taught high school and I'd walk in and we were talking about some text or your piece of writing and I taught six classes of sometimes the same course, which sounds a little dreary. Um, (laughs) But the reality was every class was so different. Every group had its own culture of that space and what were the dynamics and how did they interact with each other how did they interact with me 
how did we learn from each other? I mean, that's exciting. Mm-hmm. You, you get up and you are interested in what kids say. You know, I might be having a bummer of a day as an administrator here on campus sometimes. And I go into my 340 class and we have a conversation and it's like, oh, that's why I do this, yeah. right? It lifts your spirits. Yeah. yeah. And reminds me that I'm still learning. Yeah. So. I like to and just seeing a parallel between our pre uh, our last episode where uh, Morris Docks is sitting into this uh, tutorial and he's like, because he's a graduate student, he's in charge of the, the solutions manual, which just meant basically like, hey, if you're having trouble, mm-hmm. look at the manual. And then he sees like, well, everyone's having the trouble with the same thing. It was like this irresistible force to be mm-hmm. like, why don't we do something? Like, why don't I just mm-hmm. lead something here? Like, it just like this irresistible force to, to step into that position. If that felt like, you know, that's kind of the same message that you're sending as well. Absolutely. Uh, I, I think when teachers feel confident in what they're doing, they, they know their content. They are always looking for new strategies. Sometimes I'd learn something, read a book or go to a workshop or have a conversation with a colleague and it'd be like, I am so going to try that out. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm doing it all the time on my computer. I just have a list of like cool things I want to implement. And I kind of consult it when I look back at how I'm planning the next lesson. Yeah. So, and that makes the, that makes the job fun too and exciting and new and different and keeps it fresh. It's like you got a lab. Yeah. I love that. that. Like, Hey, I'm going to try this out Mm -hmm. and see how it goes. Um, so, we kind of uh, previewed it. We kind of like got a little teaser. So what is this mm-hmm. mile marker on your road to better teaching? So, um, you know, two years in uh, to teaching, I really, I enjoyed it, but I was looking for something else. When you're the only teacher in a small school, you don't have a huge community. And who are you going to talk to about why am I having to teach Canterbury Tales? And yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, sorry, medievalists, we're good. But yeah. um just not my area. I'm a composition person. And so um, Ben McClellan sent me and, or actually called me at that point time. We didn't email. He called me and said, Hey, Ellen, you need to be a part of the Invitational Institute with a writing project this summer. And I very politely told Ben, Ben, I'm probably going back to Texas in a year. Why are you going to spend tuition money and a stipend on me? We had stipends then. Sadly, we don't now. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm, going back to Texas, why would you spend that money on me? And he goes, yeah, I got a hunch. Come on. <laughs> and Ben was a mentor of mine. And I said, okay, if Ben says to do it, then I guess we do it. So I spent a month here in June with the Invitational Institute. And I never left the state. Um, <laughs> I ended up... Thank you, Ben. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, ben. <laughs> And Ben was an English professor. Ben was an English professor. Yeah. And, of course, I got to know Susan McClellan mm-hmm. through his wife. Through uh, Also, she's a writing project fellow. And I, I found a community. Um, I found a network of teachers that wanted to talk about what does it mean to teach writing, anything literacy, by the way, in any discipline, K-16, and it's what kept me here. So if I think about that, it was that phone call, the, of this personal invitation of um, a mentor who said, you need to do this, and okay, you know, Ben says do it, I'll do it. I don't think I'd still be in teaching. I, I think I really would have left after a year or two, 
not that I didn't enjoy it, but I didn't have that space. Um, or I, I may have been in teaching, but I probably would have been back in Texas. Uh, and instead, I found this amazing community of practitioners who wanted to talk about how do we become better? How do we learn? I was introduced to new theorists that I hadn't been. Um, like, I still hang on to my Tom Romano clearing the way with, like, my little, you know, Sherry Graydon introduced me to him. But then I was introduced to Donald Murray's work. I was introduced to Ken McCrory. Um, this is in the mid-90s, so we're starting to look at Nancy Atwell's in the middle. Mm-hmm. We're looking at those early practitioners yeah. that were coming out of the sort of um, that expressivist movement in writing. Um, and I really, and then I found sort of the, what we now call social justice, or the social constructivist sort of vein of National Writing Project work about writing can promote equity. Um, and that became a, a thread for me throughout my entire career, um, so much so that I stayed on with the writing project and some other work. They, If you offered it, I was like, me, sign me up, and eventually became a co-director, um, got to work with Kat, with amazing folks like Kathy Stewart, um, who's awesome, and there's mm-hmm. another person. She's the one that sent me into the doctorate here while I was teaching high school and said... Was she was she in teacher education at that time? She was in teacher education okay. at that time. She was also the National Board... Uh, right. The uh, world-class teaching, world class teaching program. program. Yeah. Yeah. And informed me that um, the National Board standards were just being released for high school um, a year or two after that. And so she said, you're doing this? And I said, okay. okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, you're smart people that tell you what to do. You say, okay. And, um, you know, I certified, I will now finish, I've done the recertification twice now, so I'll finish 30 years as a National Board Certified Teacher, even though I'm not in the classroom. I did borrow a classroom um, mm-hmm. for the last round. But, you know, it's it's all about getting better, but it's also about meeting people and finding out different ways to talk about what we love. And so, yeah, it's that one phone call that, what is that one invitation? I think about what are the relationships? You talked about Leslie. I think about Lauren Wright-Jones, who's over in um, the Center for Diversity. Um, I, I think about Jason Wilkins, who's over in um, Outreach. There, there are several former Dr. Shelton people running around this campus. And it's so. I ran into one yesterday sitting with engineering um, and at lunch. And I said, hey, what's... Alex, what are you doing here? And he said, oh, hey, well, you know, I finished in engineering. Yours was the only English class I liked. And they occasionally invite me. He's an engineer now. And they said they occasionally invite me back to talk with their classes. And the engineering folks only know me through pre-college. And they know I teach, but it's nebulous. Mm. And here's Alex sitting there going, yeah, she was my high school teacher. (laughs) And I was like, look, guys, proof. You know, here's somebody that actually has survived that part of my world. And um, but it was just how do you you here's somebody this is he graduated for Leslie. So, I mean, this is a good 15 years ago. Yeah. And we stood in Rebel Market and had a conversation about what are you doing now? And it's so exciting to see you. That's awesome. Wow. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, that is cool. And, I mean, you, you kind of straight, I'm just going to, but I'm going to ask a question just in mm-hmm. case there's anything else. The Like the importance of this to your growth as a teacher, the importance of like, and, and I'm going to put some terms on it, like this shoulder tapping mm-hmm. moment mm-hmm. by Ben McClellan to say, 
right. hey, I think you should come. And, I mean, I guess my, my, I'm going to ask mm-hmm. a question. Do you do that? Do you find yourself doing mm-hmm. that where, like, you know, you're the person that's where somebody else is going, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, I sometimes, believe it or not, I and most people who know me from this professional space don't believe it. I am an introvert at heart. Mm-hmm. Um, I play an extrovert really well. And then when people I'm around, I can be that way. Um, so sometimes I don't invite people because I'm afraid they're too busy or they don't want the invitation. I'm still, there's still that insecurity. I think you always have when you're yeah. a learner of, I might be rejected, but I do find myself going, I, I find teachers in writing project that say, well, I'm here because you asked me to be here mm. or I'm here because you made a space for me. And I saw myself in that space and I felt like it was an invitation. So what, a, you know, I, I think Ben would probably just go, what? And I think I've told him this before, you know, that you're the reason I'm still here. And he goes, well, I just gave you a phone call. But I think we underestimate the power of what that is oh, to invitation. say, you know, Kathy Stewart in the middle of the Institute said, um, I think you should go back to your for your doctorate. And I didn't want to go back to English at that time. And I was teaching and she said, Go talk to Peggy Emerson, who was former chair. Of, she was the uh, chair teacher at the time, I'm sure. And I went, okay, I guess I'm in a doctoral program now, you know. And um, my GRE scores were still good at that point. And, um, you know, it's, it's somebody saying, hey, I think you'd be good at this. And I think you need this. And I think we discount that. Yeah. yeah I remember who tapped me. Mm-hmm. Same, I mean. When did when I predicted I'd be here in Mississippi? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Fifteen years. I later. mean, my family still goes. Yeah, we lost her to the kudzu. Um, you know, I go back home to Texas and visit them, and they're yeah. like, "Yeah, I mean, it's somebody tapped you, and you said this is the space I want to be." Nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so we talk about you know the moment being important to you, but then we also talk about the important. Uh, of the moment to the field, like mm-hmm. in, in this thing. So I don't know if you had a chance to peruse some of mm-hmm. those uh, standards oh, and see, because this is something that we ask our, our candidates to do where they're thinking about how am I growing mm-hmm. as a as a teacher and like how did the, as the field looked for how I should grow. And so I don't know, did you have a chance to? I did, that? actually. And I was, um, when I looked at it, everything under content everything under instructional practice, professional responsibility. You know, when I think about where I've come, what I'm doing, what I'm doing in pre-college programs, which doesn't seem like an education background, but everything we do is about supporting learners on our campus and inviting them to this space. So how do I, as a, as an administrator here, how do I lead my team in an educational component? So, mm-hmm. I mean, the leadership skills I learned through the writing project, through amazing principals, I, I got to give a shout out to two. I was lucky in 15 years, I only had two administrators and I'm the one who changed schools, which is rare that you get to keep um, Bill Buse and Matt Curley. And they allowed me to grow. They allowed me to make mistakes They had conversations, um, but they let me do what I needed to do to be the better practitioner. And if I wanted to go to a workshop, cool. 
Do we have the funding? Do we have the days? Can you go? Let's make the space. Hey, I want to do this. That, I think, was so influential in being able to say, I want to try that. And so I think about, like, the content knowledge of, I want to go find out what this workshop's about. And I want to be a better AP teacher. So I said, I don't want to go to this workshop. I want to go to that one because this is the content I want. And um, Matt Curley said, okay, we'll make that happen. And, you know, and then I got to talk with other people about how do we, you know, how does that work in the classroom? What are those strategies? What are other learning strategies? I love working with new teachers because they come in with such enthusiasm and I'm like, okay, how did you do that? How are you doing this in a digital space? You know, I'm still kind of old mm-hmm. school. You guys see my notes. I've written them on paper and <laughs> yeah. I've handwritten them, right? right. With a so, pen. With, with a, a pen. pen. Yeah, there, there's something about that whole writing, the physical writing process, mm-hmm. not just, fortunately, I'm the only one who can read these, but half the time. But what are those things that we, you know, how do you do that? Because my kids are in this space. So I'm trying to learn what that is. Um, and it's, you know, I think about how many of these standards I I think about my work with the writing project and that invitation and it's hit every single one of these. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's not just about literacy. You, you learn development. I don't know that I would have gone back for a doctorate. I don't know that I would have done national boards. I don't know that I would have done so many things without the confidence level, that leadership development yeah. and that sort of like, okay, you should be able to do this. Um, okay. And <laughs> you know, what are those things that you do, but also the ethics of you've got to become a better practitioner. Uh, and they're changing. I haven't kept up with the music. It's kind of sad. But you can pretty much tell where my, my music tastes end about late aughts, right before 2010 when I left the classroom, because I'm not getting the kids' exposure to music anymore like I was in high school. But, yeah. like, I'm trying. Writing Center kids are trying to teach me about it. It's <laughs> kind of sad right now. But, you know, what is that? It's... I have an ethical obligation to, to keep learning um, and to figure out what that means for this group of kids. So, And I, t- I do think, too, like um, that ethical responsibility and professional responsibility mm-hmm. of continuing to learn and uh, that you were talking about earlier. Um, that And I think that's connected to the fact that you like what you do mm-hmm. and that so, it, you know, you're, you're enjoying it. And so you want to, you know, think about it. Mm-hmm. You want to reflect on it. You want to try something new. And so it's this sort of openness because you're enjoying what you're doing that you're mm-hmm. to experiment with it. You want to try new things. And then also take the time to think about, did that work? Did that not work? And we always talk with our teachers about being uh, reflective practitioners. Mm-hmm. It's good to try things, but if you don't reflect on what you tried, it's like assessment. It doesn't, you're not really doing anything unless you're checking in to see if it, if it was working or not. But this whole cycle of that you're talking about, it's an ethical responsibility mm-hmm. as a teacher, uh, professional responsibility, but also I think it it easily happens when you love what you're doing mm-hmm. because you want to go in there and do better for the kids and you want to try something new because you're interested in it and you want to hear the next thing and go to the workshop and mm-hmm. and when somebody says, hey, you might be interested in this, you go for it because, you know, you want to be better because mm-hmm. you're enjoying what you're doing and I think that enjoyment part is really important in teaching that if you're not enjoying it, you're not going to do a good job. You're not going to grow because you don't want to try new things. You're not going to want to think about what you were doing and reflect on it. So you're not going to be better. And the kids suffer. 
And you have to be able to say, wow, that didn't work. Why? Yeah. What did I not do? Don't blame it on the kids. Right. Because I know it succeeds. Too many times I think I hear people going, well, it's the kids. No, the kids are fine. Yeah. You know, every X amount of years we have an education crisis. The kids can't read. They can't write. We're, we now have, they're going to cheat using the Ch- artificial yeah, intelligence. Yeah, yeah. The reality mm-hmm. is kids are fine. And yeah. if you're, if something's going wrong, what did you do to implement that space, right? And if you don't think about that, if you say, oh, it's the kids, well, then, okay, you should be thinking about it when you're doing the dishes, right? Or you're driving home and you're contemplating, okay, that class didn't go as well as I wanted. You know, only having one section of a class is a little harder because when I taught high school especially, first period knew something was going to go amok because it was also (laughs) free 9 a.m. for me. Um, Seventh period knew it was like, awesome because I'd had a chance to revise yeah. every class. First period knew I'm not a great writer. They would see the rough, rough drafts. Seventh period would go, oh, I see how you revised across the day because I kept that up. And then first period would walk back in the next day and go, oh, well, that's a lot better. But you still could change X. Yeah. You know, when I hand my own current writing, uh, a journal article I gave to a writing center consultant, I said, if you don't have an, a consultation time, I need a review of this. And, and she's an education, English ed major, by the mm-hmm. way. And Marika gave me one of the best reviews. Is it Marika Hall? Marika Hall. Oh, we awesome. love Marika Hall. Um, she gave me one of the best reviews. And I had edited it. I'd had multiple other professionals. But she could see it through a very different set of eyes. And being able to say... I trust you to teach me something. And y'all, the suggestions she made were brilliant and spot on. And it just was like, okay, you get the credit when I make this into a book because you're going to have to help me revise this. Not edit, revise this because you got to trust that too. Yeah, that's great. But also being able to say, it's not perfect, fix it. Think about the... I mean, I was just thinking about the moment, probably that Marika, yeah, that Marika had that uh, Dr. Shelton asked me to look at, the, like, and just to say like what the message that says, mm-hmm. right? And like, just about you, you said that exchange between learning from students and and things, and just like we're we, this, it's fluid, right? You're the teacher, you're the student, mm-hmm. and like that that moving. I don't know. It just that's. That's pretty good. Yeah, and Marika really will have her own English classroom yes. in about a year and a half, which is yeah. exciting. I know. Isn't it weird? It's great. It's awesome. But I don't want her to graduate, by the way. Can we talk <laughs> yeah, her into yeah. grad school She's so amazing. I can keep her? <laughs> so. Uh, so we ask our, our students to come up with these like pocket-sized philosophy mm-hmm. statements. And so do you have a pocket-sized philosophy statement? I think I've articulated it in a much longer version, but, I mean, teaching is about learning. It's not about delivering content. It's about learning. You learn new content. You learn new strategies. You learn from the new generation. To teach is to learn. And if you ever stop, um, Anne knows this. I'm going for my second doctorate. I'm actually taking comps, my second comp next Wednesday (laughs) in composition rhetoric because, I don't know, COVID, post-50, either let's do this degree or don't. Um, I'm, we don't have this degree here. I'm having to go to another institution. Um, talk about 
oh my goodness, being a total student again, and how do you navigate their parking system? (laughs) And sitting in there and realizing you're older than your professors, um, for the most part, and my committee members, I... I could be the cool aunt for one, and biologically, I could be the mother for the other. Um, my advisor is older than I am, but um, which is some piece at fifty-three. Um, but it's, but what I'm learning there is going straight into what I'm teaching and saying, guys, I just read this article. I know we were going to cover this, but I want to weave this in, and they see me excited, and then it kind of shifts to them, like, wait. She could have retired four years ago. She's still here doing this. What she's doing? A what? A second doctorate? Because why? Yeah, yeah. And but it's, and I gotta admit, it's it's much cooler on this side because it's just like this whole layering of new knowledge, and um, it's. I'm not gonna say it's always fun. You know, didn't love a few points of it, but what of any program do you love every single moment? But it is taught me so much about what it is to be a student again yeah and then how I learn and how do I translate that and hey guys I have a paper due and doing peer review I'm gonna give I'm gonna put myself in this peer review and somebody's gonna get dropped in the google doc from my paper like I'm responding to yours so and that and I'm like hey it's just you know at this point it's just Ellen the writer, the student, not Dr. Shelton teaching, I need you to review this. I need responses because I'm kind of stuck on this part. And yeah. I really, y'all, cannot write an introduction to save my soul. It, I have to work through the whole paper and then go back and do it. And I, to have somebody make, hey, I like this part, but you really need to think about this. Oh, I thought that part worked well. Well, not so much. Um, you know, I, I think that's, if you stop learning, you stop growing, and I don't want to do that. Yeah. So, and it's a great model for your students too. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you know, it's, it's the extra benefit mm-hmm. of it is that they see what that looks like, and that that's the process. It's mm-hmm. it doesn't stop. Yeah. Who are the theorists I'm getting to learn now that I didn't get to learn that I just you know there are so many journals, so many magazines, so many books. You cannot read them all. So now I'm getting a chance to explore all those people I didn't get to because mm-hmm. I didn't have time. And now I'm still finding there are even more journals that I need to be reading. <laughs> yeah. But that's overwhelming and exciting. Yeah. So. Nice. That's great. That's, a, that's tremendous. That is great. Um, anything that made you think of, Anne, when we're you know thinking of like resources? I mean, one is Ellen mentioned a lot of different... Uh, uh, authors and things before, but anything that came to mind when you're hearing about Ellen's mile marker? Well, not specifically an extra resource, but just sort of a shout out to something she mentioned. I, um, Nancy Atwell's mm-hmm. In the Middle, that book was given to me by Cindy Lee. Ah, I love Cindy Lee too. Yes, and um, it's down in my office if you want to, it's very old. Mm-hmm. Um, but that sort of um, and it sort of goes back to this Ben McClellan tapping you at mm-hmm. Joel's using that term and um, saying you should read this. Mm-hmm. And that was not a, a textbook we were using at the time, but it was something Cindy was teaching a language arts class. And um, she said, you should, you know, mm-hmm. read this and look into this. 
And it's just, you know, opened my eyes to what the writing process could look like in a classroom and uh, what that ownership, kids owning that process and being a full participant with the teacher in that process and all of that was excellent. So, and I think that's a, like an older book that people probably aren't really thinking about much anymore, but, um, you know, you know, particularly those people that are interested in and teaching that a, that mm-hmm. age range, that kind of middle middle grades, mm-hmm. middle school type age range, what does that look like in terms of you know having giving kids agency and and involving them in the in the writing mm-hmm. process? It's a good one um, to go back to. Yeah, that one. Um, and by the way, the first edition is the better edition of that one. Uh, like I said, Tom Romano's clearing the way. I still refer back to still. Actually, I put it on my comps list. Mm-hmm. So that's how much that book really informed my uh, theory of how to, you know, the pedagogy. Um, I think, too, Penny Kittle and Kelly Gallagher now have kind of picked up the mantle where um, we see Atwell's, like, now, but they're also dealing with the realities of the assessments that are required but what could that writing instruction look like in our contemporary classrooms? Um, I, I like their thoughtfulness in I'll that. I'll check that out. Um, so Penny Kittle especially. Um, I like Kelly Gallagher. Both are writing project, by the way. So it's another sort of thing about how do you think about, you know, they're part of the National Writing Project work. Um, but, yeah, I really like how she talks about reading. Okay. Uh, and, and reading we, we treat, especially in English, you have grammar, you have reading, literature, and you have writing. The reality is they should all be taught together. So how do you integrate all of this in one space? Because it's all about communicating ideas. But we treat them as separate disciplines too many times, and they're assessed differently. And so, but, but if you're talking about communicating and communicating ideas. What did you gain from your reading? And then how are you communicating that through whatever medium? And you've got to think about grammatical and you know, structure, but you also have to think about communicating your ideas and how did you develop those ideas? Yeah. And um, so they do a pretty good job of integrating. And well, we can link those things to mm-hmm. the, at the, at the, in the show notes. The show, as notes. Joel, yes. show notes. Joel always says. Well, and I, I have the same argument about math. Like mm-hmm. you should not have these algebra, geometry, their their statistics. It's all, they, right? they, they they talk to each other, and we do these artificial separations, which really gets me angry. Anyway, well, for global <laughs> thinkers like me, that yeah. makes sense, yeah. right? It just I don't understand why are they different? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. all of this is one big blob. You know, right? So anyway. yeah. I, I taught an integrated math class when I, was, when I was teaching high school, and it was like this most beautiful thing. I felt like I was robbed because, like, you get mm-hmm. like you get like this huge dose of algebra. It's like mm-hmm. eat all of this broccoli, and then it's like, well, there's this other these other courses too. But it's like, no, 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 we're just gonna feed you nothing but this for a year. Then okay, now it's nothing but potatoes. You know, that's not a great meal. Like, it's yeah, like, give right, every, yeah. give everything. Um, sorry, that was a tangent. Um, <laughs> but the other thing, so one thing, and I don't have a. I just have, I've had a lot of development around this. I don't really have a resource to connect it to, but it's this whole idea of like when someone has tapped you on the shoulder, like Mm -hmm. Ben McClellan tapped you, and it's not just about the tap. He developed a relationship Mm -hmm. with you, a trusting relationship. And like, 
and and also develop and you like a mentoring relate where there's an expertise where there's like there's trust there's so like everything that went into that tap to and that resulted in okay you know like that that there is so much there so that that students all have a belief in themselves because they know that this person cares about me. Mm-hmm. This person has seen my expertise, has knows me, that when they provide this thing that is might be scary, it might even be like, I don't know why I'm... But I trust this person to the point where now I'm going to say, okay. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like having those moments and as teachers, you get to see students sometimes more than their parents on a daily mm-hmm. basis and just have those I see in you statements or even like I see in you like... I. And I, my undergrad degree took five and a half years because I don't think anyone ever said you should become a teacher. It was like I kind of stumbled into it versus somebody did say, hey, you should get a doctorate. It took me less time to get a doctorate than it took to me to get my mm-hmm. education degree because like someone's like pointed me in that direction. It was like and I trusted that person. And so I just thought the power of that and like this I, I have an emphasis on that shoulder tapping and I see and I see that you could be do this. I could see I see in you this. And that means you could do this. Like I was, think about um well, it was a text that I had been introduced to before, and then in Peggy, in my doctoral seminar class, I revisited it. Um, my dad was a minister, but he was also a theologian. Uh, Martin Buber's I and Thou, to me, and, and Peggy, I think, gave it in the doctoral seminar. We recovered it. Um, and I think this also goes with that social justice theme. I mean, you think yeah. about Bell Hooks. You think about Lisa Delpit. Oh, absolutely. Um, but I think... And occasionally I've tried to teach I and thou to my undergrads and they just go, it's one of those really good ideas that it's maybe they're not ready for it yet. Mm -hmm. It's like, thanks, Dr. Sheldon. (laughs) We tried. You know, like, oh, sorry about that. But, um, you know, who's an, you know, your students in your class are not I it. You're not delivering content. If you think about it as an I thou that Buber talks about, you're receiving back from them and you see them as someone not only to, to whom to impart your knowledge, but also they give that back. And the minute you see your kids as an I it, like they don't have anything to offer you, then yeah, you've lost the relationship and you've lost that sort of connection with them. Um, You have to see your students as they're individuals and some kids bless them. It's all they could do to get to school. Yeah. Yeah. And then other kids, they're there because that may be the only safe space or they're there because they just enjoy your class. Now you're not going to connect with every kid and it's just a reality of being a human, but you can try. Yeah. And I think maybe language arts people have that ability because when we teach writing, we get to know more of the individual language. I'm sorry, Joel, I can't read. I, I try with math problems. I try. Um, but, you know, how do you get to know that that word choice says so much about that child or that sentence structure or that one little descriptor? And then you think about what is that relationship you can form with that student in that space? And you might not have that relationship with them outside. You probably shouldn't because that's not their world. This is the space in which you inhabit and I, that book was really pivotal to me. Um, and again, I, dad had given it to me at some point when I started teaching. Um, I probably didn't get it. You know, it's one of those books you need to revisit every now and then right. because you suddenly figure out, oh, that's what he means. Yeah. Um, and uh, Peggy's class was a lot like that. Like, oh, I get to revisit this space. So that's great. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. 
Well, thank you, Ellen. Thank you for uh, thank you so much sharing your time, this. expertise, and your mile marker on your yes, road to better teaching. Absolutely, and thank. To all of you all out there for listening and tuning in to The Road to Better Teaching. This episode may be over, but The Road to Better Teaching never ends. Please subscribe to the podcast so you're notified when the next episode is ready for you to listen to. And if you like what you hear, please rate and review the podcast. You can also share the podcast with someone you feel may be interested in these stories of teacher development. And if you want to find any links to resources mentioned, you can check out the show notes for this episode at roadtobetterteaching.com. Finally, thank you to all of you listeners out there for taking the road to better teaching. This world is a better place because you have used the gifts you have been given to teach others. This Road to Better Teaching podcast is an Amazon Planet production.